microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Welcome to another episode of Wookie Radio. Is the smugglers who smuggle? Sure. <laughs> As opposed to the smugglers who do what now? Um, bamboozle? You no, know, just smugglers, smugglers be smuggling. Smugglers be smuggling. We want the redhead. Oh, wait, sorry. Wrong thing. <laughs> um, it is Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. How's everyone doing? Good. Pretty good. Um, craziness that happened in the last couple of weeks. Oh yeah, some D twenty three, some some news from there. Uh, yeah, who who thought it was going to be a good idea to put D twenty three and Comic Con within a week of each other? <laughs> that would be Disney. Yeah, and I'm not going to speculate why Disney did it, but I'm sure they did it. Who's you? What I, I have no re- I have no clue why. They did what they did. They did the same thing in 2015 and didn't have a presence at Comic Con. Yeah. So but there wasn't a whole lot of stuff for, so far at Comic Con from them. Um, not on the Star Wars front, but they did do a new trailer for Thor with Marvel. Marvel Good had a trailer little, too. I saw that a little bit earlier. Marvel had that one. Marvel had Check a little bit more of a presence. Um, yeah. Hulk is a lot more verse. <laughs> He yes. talks a little better. <laughs> um, of course, Inhumans trailer came out. Um, apparently, they showed the same Infinity War trailer that was shown at at uh, D23. So we're still not going to be able to see it. No. The, the Star Wars trailer that was shown at D23. Well, we'll talk about that and some other D23 news. Um, but I'm going to say, while we get right into Forces of Destiny, um, all those episodes have, have come out for the moment, the first eight, and, uh, there was kind of a poll, I, th- I think I saw on StarWars.com about it. Yeah, it's, it's funny, they have here, it says, from a certain point of view, what is the best episode of Forces of Destiny so far? Um... What would be the point of view? I think that's just maybe the title of the of the column or something. Oh, okay. Ho- hopefully, <laughs> I'm guessing. Uh, I love this opening line. One of the great things about Star Wars is that it inspires endless debates and opinions on a wide array of topics. Best no, bounty- it doesn't. No one gets to talk about anything with Star Wars. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Best bounty hunter, most powerful Jedi. Does Salacious, Salacious Chrome have the best haircut in the saga? I've never heard that one. That, that's, that's chewy, and everyone knows it. I don't know. The, the um, Ewoks give him a little run for his money. Especially those baby Ewoks. Baby Ewoks, I mean, come on. They got the best, the most beautiful hair anybody's ever seen. It's those they are use, the cutest things in Star Wars. They use carpet shears. Here's a funny story for you. When I was, when I was a little kid, after Return of the Jedi came out, my parents got my sister and I little stuffed Ewok toys, little fuzzy Ewoks. And then one day my mother decided to wash them. And oh. It sh- oh, no. <laughs> it shrunk down all their hair. <laughs> so instead of, like, hairy, they were they were like little fuzzballs. Oh, it was so funny. It wasn't at the time, but, but anyway... So, from a certain point of view, which was presented by StarWars.com, 
is a series of point counterpoints on some of the biggest and most fun Star Wars issues. Uh, this one, they discuss which episode of Forces of Destiny is the greatest one. It says, uh, the Princess Leia starring Beasts of Echo Base is the clear winner, says Kristen. His species may have a reputation for pulling people's arms out of their sockets when they're angry, but the first thing Chewbacca does when he's free from the Wampa's grasp isn't to unleash some shoulder-separating wrath on his captor. Captor. No, that walking carpet with a roar that makes warriors weep runs straight for his friend Leia and then gets behind the diminutive rebel for protection. That was the moment I knew this was going to be my favorite installment of Forces of Destiny. Funny thing is, that's not the first time he's done that in the saga. He did the same thing, remember, when they got out of the garbage smasher. Yeah, that's true. He wasn't going to go anywhere near that thing. <laughs> that's true, yeah. So they continue on uh, to say... They love the heroine-focused series as a whole. Uh, bite-sized episodes don't have time for sweeping story arcs and convoluted setups. But by focusing in on some of the Star Wars universe's most beloved characters, there was little need for grandeur, delusional or otherwise. Okay. Uh, so, says, uh, and it goes down and says, Full disclosure, there is an unavoidable nostalgia factor here as someone who ranks The Empire Strikes Back as her favorite saga film but I never dared to even hope that there would be a chance to return to that era in the galaxy far, far away. The short itself playfully winks at a deleted scene to boot. And let's be honest, Chewie tucked beside the sleeping snow beast was an adorable surprise. It's also a moment that just wouldn't have played on film. Can you imagine the bloodthirsty creature chowing down on a tauntaun and then getting cozy with his new fuzz face pal? <laughs> but it's Leia that really makes this story a standout, Armed with only her wits, a faithful droid, and a single lantern, she fearlessly plunges into the darkness, terrifying growls be damned. She spots the beast clutching Chewbacca in its hairy grasp, and after a charismatic, ill-timed update from C-3PO on her comlink, which is typical C-3PO, must yeah. make a snap, <laughs> a snap decision to not only save her own skin, but keep her friends and the entire rebel base out of harm's way. She immediately takes charge, barking orders, volunteering for the most dangerous job, physically distracting the hulking biped by running circles around the rather persnickety predator. And when the lantern flickers out, the resourceful royal doesn't panic. She doesn't call for backup. She doesn't scream. Oh, no, she takes the challenge head on. Leia slides through the beast's legs. Then she dives through the doorway to safety putting her trust in her two companions to seal it securely behind her. <laughs> I don't speak Wookiee. We here on Wookiee Radio do. But Leia's response to Chewie's cooing suggests he was giving her a heartfelt thanks. And Leia doesn't need a medal for her bravery. Oh, that was kind of a shot. <laughs> she'll, <laughs> she'll settle for a soft Wookiee hug instead and the certainty that the Alliance fighters are safe. Now, another girl, Amy... She likes the Jin Erso centric The Stranger. Oh yeah, this be Amy Ratcliffe. Yes. Oh uh-huh, yes. That would that would be, wouldn't it? She says, as I've watched the Forces of Destiny shorts, one point in particular has hit me hard. We don't only prove ourselves in the big life or world changing moments, we do it in the little moments. The small actions we take as we go about our daily business stack together and build layers of character and heart. It's why I think the most remarkable aspects of the animated shorts have been the ones motivated by compassion. The Stranger is the best Forces of Destiny episode because it's all about Jin's compassion for a little girl and her Tuka. The universe of Star Wars is big and continually afflicted with one of the biggest and broadest conflicts of all, the battle between good and evil. The large scale is the thrust pushing stories set in the galaxy far, far away forward. I'll say that three times fast. Like <laughs> an undercurrent that keeps the river flowing. But within the far-reaching themes, the world, the worlds are full of personal struggles and journeys. The fights against the Separatists, the Empire, or the First Order wouldn't matter if we didn't know what our heroes were fighting for. And I think that's actually what makes Star Wars what it is, ultimately. Yeah, it's, it it's actually you know it's an entire universe. It's more it's about more than just the big 
Empire fight against the Empire or the First Order or whatever. It's it's a lot of the small stories are just as good usually. Yeah, I think so. Now, me personally, I like the one with Sabine and Leia. I, I, yeah. I thought that one was well done. Yeah, yeah, I always thought I like the one with um, Leia and the Ewoks. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that one was good. And actually, that's cool because the second half, the next eight, is going to have another Ewok one. It's supposed to actually have one where it's Leia and the Ewoks and um, Hera supposed to be in it also. Kind of confirming that Hera's around during Return of the Jedi. Mm. Yeah. I think Han's supposed to be in that one also, but I know it's at least Hera and um, Leia. Yeah, if I remember right, these are being considered canon stories. Yes. I believe, yeah, I believe so. So, but we know Sabine and... and uh, we know Sabine and, and Leia had interaction with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes you wonder, when would, did this happen? Did this happen before we see it on Rebels, or is it after we've seen the two of them meet in Rebels? I would think after. Yeah, because they never really specify. Right? No, yeah. It's look look more at her armor. Kind of gives us a clue. Yeah. So. And then on Rebels, when they meet, you there's no indication that they had ever met before. So. Right. But, so yeah. So overall, I now last time we got together, um, the show wasn't done yet. But now that it's over, what do you think so far? Or now that the first half is over, what's your opinion, guys? Um, I'm still liking it. It's kind of a fun little, yeah, yeah, little venture into the Star Wars universe. It's kind of nice to see, um, kind of the uh, the female characters' point of view. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the f- the focus is more on the females. For for the girls out there, um, I I would love to see this be more than just a geared towards girls. Let's just gear yeah. it towards kids in general. Um, mm-hmm. I I enjoy them even at the short three minute span. But they're saying you know, that's what you know kids on YouTube. That's their that's the span that they watch a, a video for. Yeah. So, well, let's train them to watch longer. Let's increase well, you can, it. You can start with this and uh, and uh, slowly bring out some longer episodes and before yeah. you know it. Well, that's well, that's kind of what they did with the micro, the Clone Wars micro series. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's also a th- that's a theory I've been hearing about this was the uh, the theory that this may actually be a tester to see if something like this would go and they actually do a full series out of this. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. It could be interesting to see that. Almost like instead of a backdoor pilot, we have a YouTube pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's been other rumors about, because uh, one thing we did not get at D23 is what's the next um, anthology story. Yeah. And there's a lot of rumor speculation there of what people want. And the mm. biggest one, um, I was surprised, but not surprised. Yeah. Well, and what's kind of surprising is because this is one of the this is a character that when she was first introduced was pulling um, Jar Jar Binks level hatred from some fans. Yeah, I mean people were people were actually hating her even more than Jar Jar when the first time we saw her in the Clone Wars movie. And of course we're talking about Ahsoka Tano, which at this point it mo- almost uh, it's almost unanimous with fans that she's one of their favorite characters of all time in Star Wars. Yeah, because uh, they think. She's she she grew and changed a lot throughout the series. Yeah. So, which is what you were expecting because she was what twelve when she started the series. She's like sixteen at the end of the Clone Wars. All right. So that, that she's gonna change a lot. People, um, especially girls, develop a lot in that time, character wise, and um, what they learn and things like that. Especially a Padawan Jedi at that point of their life. So, oh, yeah. um, but the, what we're looking at is the speculation of the possibility of an Ahsoka Tano anthology film. Now, we know um, the rumors are out there. We already have Rogue One was – they don't call them anthology films anymore, but basically Rogue One was our first anthology movie. It's Anthology movies, anybody who doesn't know, are um, Star Wars movies that take place outside of the no- numerical canon. And anything that's not episode one through nine at the, coming up. Any, other, any of the other movies are um, known behind the scenes and stuff as anthology movies. Um, we know we have Han Solo coming up in less than a year. Yep. Um, some of the other speculation is maybe getting a Boba Fett movie, which I almost think we should not get a Boba Fett movie. Let it be a no. surprise. Let it be a mystery. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we need. 
I think we've already learned too much about Boba Fett as it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the more you, the what made Boba Fett really cool for me back for Return of the Jedi and for Empire was the fact that he was the man of mystery. He only had what total of twelve minutes on screen between both movies. I think so. Yeah. So um, the the next one was another one that I don't think we should put a the um unveil the mystery is Yoda. I don't I don't know if yeah. I want to see an origin story for Yoda. I agree. I I don't want an origin, but since he was around during the time of the old republic yeah not, yeah i, I do want i wouldn't i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind seeing an adventure based around him yeah do something like 500 years ago instead of um 800 years ago yeah that's what's interesting with yoda the how old he is you could do a 500 year old master yoda which is like 400 years into the past and actually get some stuff that almost puts it in Tales of the Jedi era. You, yeah. you can have some real fun with that. Um, the next one, actually, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I would I would not mind seeing either a young Obi-Wan K- adventure, bring back Qui-Gon, maybe, <sighs> do something like that, or even doing mm-hmm. something on Tatooine. But the problem is, I think, for me, um, on Tatooine, I almost don't see him having a lot of adventures while he's there. Because uh, he was but... doing a lot of studying. He was doing a lot of... Um, I mean, yes, we have the Kenobi book, but that's not canon anymore. We could bring some of that into canon, but they they do touch on it briefly in um, in issues fifteen and twenty of uh, is it fifteen and twenty? What from the Star Wars um, comic? Yeah, in the yeah. Star Wars comic. Yeah, yeah. I need to go back and read those. I don't well, remember what. Yeah, well, let's let's do something from that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. So the thing is, it's like any of the story, any of the stuff I think of from Obi Wan Kenobi. I don't see it being a full two hour movie. Uh, anything that bi- anything that would take place that would big enough to warrant a movie, everybody on the planet would probably know it's at what's going on and would know it. It'd be a large scale event to write, to make a movie around it. Well, not necessarily. I mean, well, if you don't do a large scale event, you're going to end up with the fanboys watching it. Like we'll watch it no matter what they throw on the screen. You got to think that the mainstream audience may not be interested in seeing Obi Wan taking on a band of um, Tuscan Raiders or something. I was thinking more like like uh, Jabba the Hutt or yeah, possibly. Does he have interaction with Jabba the Hutt? Now, what? Well, he has in the past. What type of what type of trouble does he keep Luke out of? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean. Yeah, like, that becomes another one is if you do a, an Obi Wan story, do we have a young Luke Skywalker in it? I would hope so. Yeah, I would think you. Or could. flip the script, have a young Luke Skywalker putzing around, and you have Obi Wan as guest star in that movie. True. Have Luke learning how to fly, how to, um, <laughs> and all that type of stuff. Maybe he finally gets to Tashi Station to get some power converters. <laughs> yeah. So, um, hey, gotta but, do a whole movie on that scene. Yeah. Well, <laughs> back to Ahsoka. We did get um, the Ahsoka book, which I I love the Ahsoka book. I, I don't know. If, do you, have you guys read it? No, not yet. It was it was a cool story because it was basically it was um, almost like a novelized version of one of the Clone Wars story arcs. This is what it felt like, and it was Ahsoka helping people, not as a Jedi, but in trying to figure out what her role in the world or in the universe is now that she's not technically a Jedi anymore. Hmm. Because remember, at the um, the end of the or at the end of season five of the Clone Wars, um, they actually have the quote here in this article that um, and or she tells Anakin straight up, "I know, I know you believe in me, Anakin, and I'm grateful for that. But this isn't about you. I can't stay here any longer. Not not now." As she walks away from the Jedi Order, um, it's, a, it's the only Jedi also that we ever see walk away from the Jedi. So um, actually, uh, you would be good if they could do a movie. That takes place immediately after the Clone Wars series, before Episode Three, and actually see her walk away and um, what entails with that. Yeah, something, something um, that so that the Jedi Order is still around and see if, um, like, I could see someone like a Master Yoda under behind the scenes or something, to, giving her a hand here and there, or Anakin slipping her a little bit of help here and there. Yeah, mm, so, possibly. There could be some fun. There could be some very fun stuff with this, um, but it comes down to also. Who do you want to see play Ahsoka? Would we? Want, I would love like Ashley Eckstein. I think would be great with the makeup and stuff. Plus, there's only ever been one voice of Ahsoka Tano. That's true. So, would we want to see like uh, um, Ashley Eckstein do it, or um, like Rosario Dawson has already talked about? She would like to do it. I, I think it needs to be. It needs to stay Ashley. Okay. Unless they're going for the height 
thing. Yeah. Um, but who else would we possibly see in this? Would, would there be a chance to see someone like an Asajj Ventress in this? Because I know we've, we've seen um, some Clone Wars um, story arc possibilities that were out there of Ahsoka and um, Ventress working together a little bit while Ahsoka was away from the Jedi Order, remember? Wasn't that it? Was that in Season 6 or was that in some of the um, untold stuff that they released? I think it was in some of the untold stuff okay. where it was just the, the very rough wireframe type. Yeah. That, flesh that out and see a live action um, Saj, maybe. That would be interesting. Maybe actually see some of um, level 1313 that we were supposed to get in the live action TV show. True. There's a, there's a lot of different stuff. Um, also, something they could bring up would be um, maybe seeing a very young um, Kanan Jarrus um, bumps into Soka during the movie or something. Well, Filoni did say that, yes, they knew each other. Not well. But they yeah. they had um, run into each other and actually trained together a few times. It's just they wouldn't have known each other completely. Yeah. Well, um, we did see in season five, four and five, I think both of um, the Clone Wars, that she was actually helping train the younglings. That was part of her duties was she was actually helping with training the younglings that are younger than her right. when she's at the temple. But he, he would have been slightly older. I thought he was younglings. just a little bit younger than where she was. Oh, well, yeah, than the younglings, yeah. Yeah. So. I always took it he was, uh, what, three or four years younger than her? Because she was about ready to become a – or actually, they were going to grant her knight status when she walked away. And he was just now um, – and at the when the um, Revenge of the Sith happened, Order 66 happened, he hadn't been um, he hadn't been with his master that long. He had just got his master recently. Yeah. So he's probably, what, four or five years younger than her. Uh I think, he, I think a little older than that because of the fact that supposedly he was brought to the temple late. Okay. A little oh, later. Really? Well, it could also be. Um, but actually, I'm assuming that Ahsoka actually would have got her night status a little early because when we see in episode one, Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's got to be almost 20 by the time, and he's still not a Jedi Knight yet. Yeah, that's true. He's still working with um, Qui-Gon. Okay. So. Uh, you got to think working in the war and all that stuff, you kind of accelerate your training a little bit. Mm, Experience has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, but that's it. Yeah. Most of this article that they have here, I've, I've not been going off this article as much, just pulling little things out because it's a lot of speculation like we've been doing here. Um, a lot of it is stuff that's teasing this a lot of time. A lot of this, uh, um, possibly have an anthology film is stuff like um, we talked about at Celebration where Dave Filoni was wearing the Ahsoka Lives t-shirt. <laughs> things like that. Um, things that he said in, um, what is it, the next season of Rebels, we will definitively know what happened to Ahsoka. Yeah. All right, yeah. So that's uh, Some of that is, I think, what's fueling this um, possibility of her getting her own anthology film. I still think it'd be kind of cool if she comes out of nowhere um, in either episode 8 or 9. Where she's been hiding and working behind the scenes this whole time. That could be interesting. Maybe yeah. she's been. Maybe she's um, working with Maz Kanata instead of working with the Rebellion or the well, obviously not the Empire, but instead of working directly with the Rebellion, maybe she's working with Maz. Hmm. Could be because it's not. It's not been said what it is, but obviously Maz Kanata um, has some kind of connection to the Force. She's obviously not a Jedi. She's not Sith. But no. We know that we've discussed it on here, and everybody knows that there's all kinds of different ways to. Um, to feel the force and, manip- and not just manipulate the force, but um, use the force in general. Right. Right. So, I mean, th- there is some deleted scenes where we see Maz Kanata using the force and she's force sensitive. Yeah. So, but with her, her age, we, she may have actually, she may have been one of the early Jedis to leave the order. If she actually did have Jedi training. Could be. Cause she's a couple, at least a couple hundred years old. There's still mystery to her. Yeah. I mean, that's what yeah, makes Star a Wars lot great. Of mystery. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things that makes it, like we were talking about um, with doing maybe a Boba Fett or a Yoda story. The mystery is what makes Star Wars so fantastic and what allows guys like us to sit around on a um, Saturday night and talk about this stuff for an hour or two hours. Right. Yeah. Because there's so much going on that we don't even have any clue about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, ga- the galaxy is a very large place. The movies are a very small part of a very large galaxy. Exactly. Well, speaking of that, at D23, Star Wars Land got a name. And it will be the same name 
at both Disneyland and at Disney's Hollywood Studios and at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. The lands are set in a remote trading port on the edge of wild space, a name that represents all the unknown adventure happening within. Um, guests will find themselves in the middle of the action, whether they're piloting the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. or, or aboard a first order star destroyer inside of a hangar bay. Um, the scale of this attraction is unlike anything that we've ever done before. Chapek said, uh, Walt Disney Imagineer, Scott Trowbridge told fans, this is a living space where your choices matter. Guests might see some galactic credits come their way, or they could end up on a on the list of local on the list of a local bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be, of course, a cantina with a unique drink concoctions, including blue milk, with a familiar face playing DJ, the Droid Rex. Now, those of you who don't know who Rex is, Rex was the pilot on the the first ill-fated Star Tours missions, uh, voiced by Paul Rubens. Um, now, according to D23, hopefully we'll have more success as a DJ than he did as a Star Speeder pilot for Star Tours. What could go wrong, asked Trailbridge. Both lands opened in 2019, and it was announced at D23 that Disneyland will open before studios. And that was not the only Star Wars news to come out of the parks and resorts side of things. Well, hang on uh, a second. Didn't Bob Riger also um, promise us that um, at the next celebration, you'll be able to actually leave celebration then go to the Galaxy's Edge? It'll be open before Celebration comes around. I believe is what he said. Well, yeah, that or he's planning on opening it when Celebration happens. Depends on which. It depends on where Celebration is located. Yeah. If it's located here in Orlando, we could be seeing an August, August or September Celebration. Yeah. So, um, we talked about this briefly in the past, and it is official. There will be a Star Wars themed resort announced Sweet. that was announced yes uh if you've ever dreamed of truly living on your own living your own star wars adventure the star wars themed resort announced at d23 will bring your wildest dreams to life it's unlike anything that exists today from the second you arrive you become a part of the star wars story you immediately become a citizen of the galaxy and experience all that entails including dressing up in the proper attire. Interesting. Yeah. Um, now, just a disclaimer. From this point forward, any stories from Disney involving the parks and the resorts, if it's not officially announced, I will not be bringing it up. Um, I can't, <laughs> truthfully. Um so that's why I'm doing the. This is what's been announced, and this is what you're what you what you're to expect. No speculation coming. I can't. I'm not allowed. <laughs> um, so you immediately become a citizen. Um, once you leave, quote unquote, Earth, you will discover a starship alive with character stories and adventures that unfold around you. It's a hundred percent immersive, and the story will touch every single moment of your day. It will, it will com- uh, accumulate or culminate. Sorry, in a unique journey for everyone who visits. And I had a story. That, that next picture of the bedroom, I, I want to stay in that bedroom. I know, right? That is awesome. Yeah, um, I had a story from Disney Parks blog about this as well. Uh, give me well, one second. Yeah, well, while you're looking, the um, the pictures we're looking at are two of the concept drawings for this. One is like maybe either the front desk area or um, like just a gathering room of some sort. It has a bunch of droids walking around, and all the screens are looking out into space. Now, this is something I've heard from other shows and things and other places that it looks like um, there will be no regular um, windows looking out into the regular parks 
from this hotel. No. This will be every window will look out into space somewhere. I love that. So you'll be looking down on the, probably the planet that um, is supposed to be actually in the park as the galaxy's edge. Could be. So that's what that's one of the I, things they mean by fully immersive. Now this is one of those I really don't know. Yeah, I, I have I have not heard a lot in regards to the resort. Um, trying yeah, to see like I said, this was off of other places and things. Yeah, I'm trying to but, see. Um, there, there's more talked about this over in Disney Parks blog, and I'm trying to get to it. Disney Parks blog, all Disney World Resort. Because I want to say, yes, it was nice that Colby Smolders from from MCU came and played at the parks. Um, all right. As I'm searching here. Well, another um, thing that was interesting that they talked here while you're while you're searching, we can talk a little bit about this next article that we found here. Also, that um, I was kind of excited when I heard Doug Chang actually is helping with the design and the stuff for the, the for the Star Wars land. Oh yes. yeah. Uh, okay. Um, it, <laughs> I have uh, Go ahead. basically everything I just read and paraphrased uh, is what's on the Disney Parks blog. So uh, oh, okay. I do I do not have any information on how on the cost. Uh, I've heard speculation, um, but well, uh, they were originally talking about it when they were asking people about this. They were talking nine nine hundred to a thousand to fifteen hundred a night. Yeah, I. I haven't heard there, there's been nothing official. So, um, all I know, I, I think they said, I, or it's common knowledge that it's supposed to open around the time that star Wars land opens. Cause that was supposed. Yeah. So yeah. Um, as you were saying, Doug Chang talks about designing the land for the parks. Um, and what his role with this, of course, Doug Chang is from um, from Lucasfilm. Yeah, he was one of the um, concept artists, I believe, for um, Phantom Menace and for episode. He may have done all three prequels, didn't he? Might have. I think he's a VP of, of Lucasfilm too, currently. Mm, well, yeah, he's moved up from there. <laughs> yeah, just a just a minor role. Um, so, in this interview with him, um, his role in the design of the land was. The overall, um, he goes, it was really coming up with the overall idea and working with the Imagineering team to design it. The -hmm. overall scope of what the land should be, the individual textures, the buildings, the vehicles. It was a huge team effort. We've been deeply involved working with the Imagineering team for about two and a half years. Well, of course, that goes back to, uh, when it was introduced as Project Orange Harvest at D23 2015. Um, you know, working on all the pieces and hoping we would all assemble it together, almost like a film. But that's why it's really rewarding for me today, uh, the day that was introduced that more details were introduced at D23, because we finally see everything put together into one big show. Um, and, of course, you know, to, to be a designer like that and have 14 acres to design on? Yeah. Oh, man. Um. He goes. Uh, what one of the questions? What another one of the questions? What would you say is is different in designing a theme park land from working on movies? Is it completely different? And he goes, No, it's actually very similar. In some ways, it's almost like making a movie in slow motion because the time frame's so long. That's because we have to build things that are really that are really real. We can't cheat things. A movie says we can frame it so you can focus the camera on one. On one point of view, for a theme park, you had to make it immersive. Mm-hmm. So everything has to be worked out, and you don't know where the guests are going going to go, what they're going to do, what they're going to look at, what they're going to touch. And then I, I think with the whole idea that you could be so immersed in this world, everything has to be real. So something that looks like a rock has to be a rock. Metal has to be metal. There's an added layer of thoroughness that we need to do for this in order to build a world like this and have it be authentic. Um, I will say I do believe this is supposed to be set in the time period of the First Order. One of the attractions is actually a First Order versus Resistance battle. Yeah. So it Plus the Falcon, if you notice, um, they have this, this rectangular 
radar dish, not the circular one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm sitting here flipping so. through the pictures of the models. This this article you have up um, has like 37 pictures of this bi- the model that they had. Yeah. and <clears throat> Which was built by yeah. ILM. Yeah. The, well, the, the more wa- you look at this thing, the more I'm seeing uh, um, influences from stuff like you see all the domes from it looks like the Jabba's Palace looked like kind of. Yeah. But also the fir- my first reaction when I first saw this was it almost looks – if you take Feed City from Naboo, from the um, Phantom right. Menace. That's what I was just and thinking, age yeah. it, age it about 100 years, but don't do any um, repairs. Right. Let it just get old for about 100, 200 years. And right. that's what this looks like. Well, obviously with – with this being called the Galaxy's Edge, I, I'm going to assume it's outer rim somewhere. Yeah, yeah. There's also some of it. Also, looks a little Tatooine-ish as well. Yeah, some of the buildings and yeah. Now um, they they have not announced the name of the planet that this is supposed to be a part of. But I don't. It's think supposed to be a brand new planet, though. Yeah, and, and the the best part is this is all canon to the storyline. Yeah. Well, are you guys um, flipping through the pictures? Yep. Yes. Go to fish, picture 23. The vents that are in the dead center of the picture, I, were those off of um, from Yavin? Were those on the edge of the temple? I remember seeing these in something in one of the movies. The vertical vents that are there side by side. Yeah, that looks wicked familiar. It looks really, every, like I said, everything here looks Star Wars. Definitely. Yeah. Um, there's parts of it that feel like Lothal almost, especially looking at the rooftops of the buildings and stuff. I think there's little bits of uh, all kinds of influence in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, where do those vents come from? I want to say see it too, don't you? <laughs> Geonosis, maybe. Yeah, that's that maybe. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen them. I just don't remember that's where. What's gonna, that's what's going to be when you're walking through this land. You're going to look like, dude. That looks like this. This looks like you know what I mean? Yeah. They took the they took parts from everything that we know and built this uh, out of what we already know. Now the one thing that's inaccurate about this model, there's going to be a lot more people than what they have represent, represented. Well, yeah, in this oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, one I thing see, I saw, you see I what? See, check out uh, picture twenty two. There is a familiar little droid in that picture. Oh, oh yeah, R five D four. There's two of them. Yeah, yeah there's, there's R five D four. Yep. Also, I've seen there's A wings and X wings sitting around. Yes, yeah. of course. See the, that. Of course, the X wing is the newer X wing. Yeah, yeah, with the blue trim. Yeah, and, and more the Macquarie esque look to it from yeah. from the well, no, from the newer films. Well, the A wing is also the A wing looks like one of the ones uh, that you see in the trailers for the Last Jedi. Yeah, yep. with all the red trim on that. I th- thought I saw in a concept picture somewhere that there was a U-Wing involved in this, too. This is a good chance. I do. I recall seeing something, seeing a concept picture with a U-Wing. Um, so the funny thing know, is, if you, go to, if you go to number 32, it's one of the concept um, paintings of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Underneath, tell me that doesn't look like a, a really rough version of Han and Leia, or Han and Lando over to the left side underneath. <laughs> kind of. Lando's the only one that pulls off a cape like that. <laughs> Which picture is this? Uh, number 32. It's just a concept painting of the Falcon. So all the guys underneath have nothing to do with it. It's just concept. But it looks like Han underneath, accepting a box from someone, then Lando's right beside that person under on the bottom side to the left. But, you know, then you got the figure on the all the way over. Almost looks like Jen. Yeah, it does. All the way over to the left. Well... I got to think that perhaps they'll have some characters of some sort in, yeah. in this land. If well, you not, go two more pictures over to le- number 34, and you see one of the characters we do get to see. Someone we've not seen since um, the original tr- or the um, original six films. A hammerhead. You racist. That's an Ithorian. We don't hey. like using racial slurs on this show. I'm just going based <laughs> on the original Kinder character. Mm-hmm. That's not, but that's that wouldn't actually be Momonadon, right? No, probably not. He's just a general authorian. Um. Now there was a poll of what was your favorite part, or what's the coolest part of Star Wars: The Galaxy's Edge? Millennium Falcon and piloting the Millennium Falcon. 
uh, of course, I want my ship. Uh, interacting with characters, Star Wars themed food options, fully immersive shops, seeing Rex from Star Tours as a DJ, the cantina, free roaming aliens and creatures, and entering the Star Destroyer hangar. Problem is, if we have a Star Destroyer hangar, I want to see the Star Destroyer in this too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm sitting there going, Star Destroyer hangar, where, where is it? Where is it? And we don't see it. Mm. So that, that's going to be hard to, oh, we're, we're now walking off. Now, if it was just an Imperial base hangar, okay, I can understand that. Star Destroyer, I, I'm a little lost. So me personally, it's going to be piloting the Millennium Falcon. And with 2,476 votes at time of recording, piloting the Falcon is ahead hmm. or is in the lead at 39%. Star Destroyer is second at 16. Uh, free Roaming Aliens and Creatures is third with 14%. Interacting with Characters at 10%. The Cantina at 9%. Uh, fully immersive, shop, immersive Shops at 5%. Uh, Star Wars themed food options at 4%. And Rex is a DJ at 3%. Now, I will say, I just this past week saw uh, Pandora for the first time. At Animal Kingdom. Oh, really? I am hoping Lucasfilm shows Cameron how to do this right. <laughs> um, I mean, it's cool. The The shops are somewhat immersive. Um, I, I don't know how much I truly felt I was on Pandora. But we, we went trying to get in, into the, the River Passage ride. So we didn't really get into it as much, but that footprint for Pandora is very small. Mm. So anyway, um, there was some gaming news from D23. Indeed there was a little game called Battlefront 2. We get some more information about it, which is awesome. I have that game. I got it like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, this is a different Battlefront 2. This is a different Battlefront 2. Yeah, just a little different. So, there's an article on StarWars.com that talks about some of the highlights from the Star Wars Battlefront panel. Uh, highlight number one, Iden has a song. Blank and Gavin Carr took the stage to some Star Wars sounding music that we've never heard before. That is brand new music, new theme song for Iden Versio, Blank confirmed. Versio joins just a handful of Star Wars characters to have their own theme. We will watch her career with great interest. So, that's that's kind of fascinating. By the way, that's uh, Steve Blank and Janina Gavankar mentioned in this article. Number two, and this is the part I'm looking forward to. Single player, here we come. One of the most eagerly awaited aspects of Battlefront 2 is the single player campaign. Yes, it's a completely original story and one that EA, DICE, Motive, and Lucasfilm have all worked hard to make memorable. Blank pointed to a screenshot up on the screen of the Death Star 2's explosion seen from Inferno Squad's point of view as being representative of what they're going for. What is unique about this, he says, is that we are seeing it from the Imperial perspective now. And so, what does that mean if you're part of the Empire... You watch the destruction of the Death Star. You know about the death of the Emperor. What challenges does that present to you? What choices do you have to make? That's really the thrust of our story in watching Aiden as she has to go down that path in this new world order. Sounds fun. Yes, it does. And that's what I'm most excited about. Uh, number three, Gavin Carr enjoyed joining the Empire. A proud gamer herself, Gavin Carr believes in the storytelling power of video games. Moreover, she also enjoyed working on Battlefront 2 immensely. It's this wonderful place to be able to unpack this perspective, she said. The thing that was so surprising is this whole experience so far has been how, how collaborative it is. I did not think that was the case. I thought I would show up and they'd say, stand here, say these words. And now you're in a Star War. <laughs> That's a weird way to put it. Uh, 
That's not what it's been. As actors, we've been given access to the writers and the producers and the directors and military consultants to really work on making this an authentic Star Wars story. Oh, that's kind of cool. They even have military consultants. Yeah. Number four. Do you want to see a video? Kevin Carr posed the question. The audience roared. The featurette, which you can watch above, it's in the article on StarWars.com, shows some great behind-the-scenes footage of Gavin Carr's motion capture work, offers insight into Aiden and the game's other characters, one of her squad mates grew up on Coruscant, and much more. Roll that tape. <laughs> about that tape, though, as I didn't realize, um, one of, he's becoming rapidly one of my favorite actors. Paul Blackthorne's in this. Yeah, and if anybody doesn't doesn't remember, Paul Blackthorn is actually um, from Arrow. He plays um, oh D- Captain Lance, or now what D- Deputy Mayor Lance, Quentin Lance. He was also if anybody remembers the Dresden Files TV series, he was um, Dresden in that. Yep. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the cast for this is is all star. Yeah, uh, I like I like uh, Janina Gavin Carr. She's pretty cool. Yeah. Timuru Morrison as Boba Fett. Uh, John Boyega is in it with Finn. Sam Witwer as Palpatine and Maul. Uh, oh, nice. Paul, Paul Blackthorne, as you just said. D. Bradley Baker as Clone Troopers. Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka. Guy Henry as Grand Moff Tarkin. Uh, mm. James Arnold Taylor as Kenobi. Corey Burton as Dooku. Um, Tom Kane is Admiral Ularen and announcer. Mary Elizabeth McGlynn as Governor Price. Hmm. Uh, TJ Ramini as Del Mico. Uh, Steve Stanton also as a voice of Kenobi. Matthew Wood hmm. as Battle Droids. Hmm. Um, Mike Edmonds as Jabba the Hutt, which is cool. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any other. That's pretty much it for the big names. Nice. Say, who plays Luke Skywalker in this? Because in the video here, you actually see Luke a little bit. They don't mention. Ah. There's no mention of Luke. It's a secret. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, this looks. The, the cinematics on this, on the trailer, look amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking now, of. I just tra- can't wait to see what gameplay footage looks like. Speaking of trailers, uh, we, we were given something else at D23. A little behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. This was well, a lot awesome. of people were actually, yeah, a lot of people were looking forward to possibly an actual uh, full-length trailer for um, The Last Jedi. But well, we didn't get that. Yet. But we did get the teaser, the behind-the-scenes um, sizzle reel, like we got um, two years ago for The Force Awakens, and last year we got one for um, Rogue One. And this yeah. thing is amazing, some of the stuff they're showing in it. I don't foresee a trailer until um, the Thanksgiving special on ABC. No, no, for this, no, no, because that that's less than a month out from the sh- from the movie. I I'm thinking at this point will yeah. probably be sometime in September. That's what I'm thinking too. Late August, early September is when we'll get the full trailer. Well, last or Rogue One, we didn't get a full trailer until late in the game. Well, like like we were talking about earlier, the thing is with Star Wars, you don't have to have a trailer for it. People are still going to come see it. Yeah. But you got to think, the later you put that trailer out there, the later you end up with TV spots and stuff. And they like to run TV stuff early. Yeah. So, um, But we did get the behind-the-scenes sizzle reel. And as I'm running it and just run, giving a rundown of it as we're going through here, some of these shots are amazing. Um, you see a lot, like I said, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, a lot of how they trained um, for acting, a lot of um, behind-the-scenes information on Ryan Johnson himself, just how his style is and things, and him sitting down talking to the actors and actresses. Um, one of the funny things is is when uh, um, John Boyega is talking about how um, this new director guy, he sits here, he can't even make a proper Wookiee noise. We need a new director. He can't. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. Um, you get a... Look at some of the new creatures on this on this movie. Uh, the 
Uh, oh, they're, they're just now getting the part with the First Order. What's with those staffs with the claws on them? You see those? They're back scratchers. It's like a new weapon. Yeah, the <laughs> extreme back scratchers. Um, then right after that, you get the, like, it looks like a crystal wolf almost. Uh, you get, looks at a lot, like I said, you don't get very little story in this at all. There's no story at all, but you see all the main characters, all the people that, um, that you're expecting to see in this. Um, it's definitely confirmed that John Boyega is not going to be in that coffin for very long. <laughs> It's healed quickly, but according to the article on StarWars.com, uh, as they broke it down, was um, the number one thing they pointed out was the sizzle. Brian Johnson debuted the new behind-the-scenes footage with the thrilling sizzle reel, offering more, offering us even more of a glimpse of the end of the film. Feature shots of the Millennium Falcon, Ray, Luke, never before, never before seen, practical effects, creatures. Captain Phasma, Adam Driver, and Daisy Ridley training for fight scenes, and much more. Now Johnson says in the video, "I'm hoping it'll be it will it'll be a little shocking, or I'm hoping it'll be a little shocking, but I'm hoping it'll feel real and honest." Um, and then you actually get some Carrie Fisher um, quotes in here too. She talks about how it's about family, and it's and that's what's so powerful about it. Uh, the next thing they bring up is um, I had the time of my life making this movie. Now, this this trailer definitely uh, puts a big spotlight on Ryan Johnson. Um, a lot, almost every shot has him in it somewhere or it's something he was having done. Um, it says the Jedi master of the film, as Walt Disney Studios chairman Alan Horn called him, um, is Ryan Johnson. Um, and his introduction to this, remember, he wrote and directed this one. And he's writing episode nine. Now, um, Brad Johnson was quoted here saying, I had the time of my life making this movie. And part of that is what Star Wars means to me. And I think and I think means a lot to all of us. A lot of that is also the people I got to work with. Um, with Johnson introduced um, with that, Johnson introduced many of the film's um, stars who would um, then join him on stage. Being Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Gwendolyn Christie, Kelly Marie Tran, uh, Laura Dern, Benicio del Toro, and later even Mark Hamill. Now, actually, I want to get to Benicio del Toro here in a couple minutes too, because I have I've got some ideas in my head on this guy. Um, now, as he talked with each actor, um, this is on the panel itself. It says um, Johnson showed some of his black and white photos that he's been taking. Um, all along on the set as new stills, um, including shots of Finn and BB-8, Christie sitting in a chair um, in a chair in Phasma's armor, and Daisy Ridley in the cockpit of the Falcon, and more. Um, a lot more of this is basically just what happened on the panel, not what was happening on the um, in the behind-the-scenes footage. But the behind-the-scenes footage is everywhere. I mean, it, it's real easy to find out there right now. Uh, they even showed it. You said they showed it again at Comic Con uh, this past weekend too, didn't they, Mike? I believe they did. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we've seen in this. We also saw in um, the Entertainment Weekly article that Benicio del Toro has something to do with this high-end casino world that they're doing. If I'm right, right? I believe so. Yeah. What's the chances they're not going to do it? But would it be kind of cool if out of nowhere Benicio del Toro's character was talent card? <laughs> That would be what? a deep pull because they've not they've never mentioned his name yet. And Talon Card in the in the books, Talon Card was the um, was a smuggler who had converted a um, star destroyer to do his smuggling and stuff. What was that, Mike? We can't hear you at all. Uh oh, the Empire is censoring him. <laughs> yeah, that that would be interesting, but I, yeah, I don't know if they would do that. It would be the type of character you could bring in because you could do. Yeah, this could be a type of character they could bring in if they wanted to, um, instead of creating a, something brand new, bring in someone from the EU like they have with the Thrawn, with bringing in Thrawn, would be bringing in a talent card, which most, um, for many uh, mainstream people just like Star Wars, would have no idea who it is. Then fanboys of the old expanded universe would be going nuts for this. Yeah, but Ryan Johnson's quote unquote named him DJ. And some fans, yeah, but, but some fan speculation has been: could he be Ezra Bridger? Possibly. Hmm. I don't know. I I don't know if I like that idea. I don't, but we don't know anything about this character either. We just know he is connected to this casino somehow. Right. So I so I like the idea of if it is talent card with the with the star destroyer. Maybe he retrofitted that star destroyer to be a floating casino that travels the galaxy. True. And DJ, as far as we know, is a almost like a code name. Kind of like Blue Harvest. Yeah. Hmm. 
See, even on so why I, is he ha- I, even on IMDb, he is listed as DJ. Yeah, so it's a, they're hiding something. There is something with this name. So whether it's Ezra Bridger or a talent card or anybody else, they're, they're purposely not letting us know who the name is. See, I similar know. to Ray not having a last name. Yeah, I, I want to know right, more yeah. about this Rose Tico. I think she's going to be the Rick Lee for, for this movie. You think so? I, that, that's the feel I'm getting. I don't know why. Because remember, um, when the Phantom Menace was coming out, everybody saw this character. It was like, oh, he's flying a ship. He's going to be all this big, important character. And it really, he's just the pilot for the ship. That's all it was. <laughs> yep. That's he, true. He, she's the next Constable Zubio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. she's actually got a bit part in this. <laughs> Not well, unless it gets cut. As of, as of the cut right now. Yeah, but you never saw pictures of him and. In all, any of the promo stuff, you're seeing her all I over the swear, place. Well, I still swear you can. You actually do see Suvio in the um, film. If you watch during the Force flashback thing, they do. Where I think Suvio is one of the characters getting cut down in the storm. You have to go back and watch it, but it looks like it looks like Constable Suvio. It's just a flash, and you miss it. But I think he's there, just like him, a flash in the pan. That's right. <laughs> and I saw about six of his um, Black Series figures hanging on the peg yesterday when I went to tar- um, Walmart. Yeah. So he's out there. Funny. He's got an action figure, but never made the film. <laughs> yeah. He, he's like the Atari's version of E.T. At some point, there will be a landfill full of just Constable Zuvio action figures. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Well, um, I'm going to wrap us up for this week with... Books that are coming out between now and the end of the month, since there's only... Well, actually, I'm going to take us through to the first week of of August. Um, okay. Inferno Squad from Christy Golden uh, comes out on the 25th, along with Star Wars A New Hope, the official collector's edition. Um, Star Wars Super Graphic from Tim Leone. Um Jedi Academy number five, The Force Oversleeps, comes out on the 25th. Now, on the 26th, we have Dr. Aphra number 10, um, the Epic Collection. The Ar- wow. Dr. Aphra gets her own theme song. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Epic Collection, the original Marvel Years, volume two. Um, and the second printing of Darth Vader number one, uh, the volume two series written by Charles Soule. Um, and then coming out August 1st, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, the trade paperback. Uh, Lost Stars by Claudia, Ga- Claudia Gray. It's a young adult paperback novel. Uh, the first book of the Forces of Destiny, uh, Forces of Destiny, Daring Adventures, volume one, Sabine, Ray, and Padme. And a um, Forces of Destiny Meet the Heroes World of Reading Level 2 book. And then on New Comic Book Day, Wednesday the 2nd, Rogue One number number 5 to wrap that up. And Darth Vader number 4. So that's our books from now until then. So that's pretty much going to wrap, wrap that up. Any final thoughts about D23 or... Uh, or where we go from here? No, I think we got it covered. I'm still calling it talent card or a very similar to a talent card without the name for Benicio Del Toro. Mm, I don't know about that one. I don't know if they want to be open wrong. that. I don't know if they want to open that door. Hey, just because that door leads to Mara J doesn't mean it can't be opened. Mm-hmm. This is true. This is Lucas true. isn't there. They could actually bring her in. True. George is the only person that hated her. Everybody else loves Marjade. True. This is true. But, you know, he just, he doesn't, unless they're really changing the look of him, I I, I just don't see it. Well, also, I, you got to remember, Town Card was mainly all in books, so you could make him look any way you want. Yeah, but every every depiction of him, you know, beard, goat, or goatee, mustache, long hair, short yeah. hair. It's we're not seeing any of that with him. So, like I said, it's the same type of character. It may not actually be talent card, or you use the name. And since you're bringing him in from the EU, you could change anything you want with him. Yeah, this is true too. Keep him true to the character, but change the look. Yeah, 
I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying I'd love to see it. <laughs> I actually loved that character in the original um, Air- Thrawn trilogy. Yeah. And then also later on when he pops in randomly here and there in the EU. Yeah. Well, I think he had, he, had, he had a large part in the um, Rogue Squadron series, didn't he? Or even, eventually. He was Corrin Horn's father-in-law or something, if I remember right. It was someone related to someone on Rogue Squadron. I don't remember. Me either. Um, he was an NPC in in Star Wars Galaxies. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought I had the link to it. Oh, well. So... Well, if we don't have anything else, next week's episode, we are going to uh, recap San Diego Comic-Con and stuff that came out from there. So, uh, one last time, any final thoughts? Going once. Going twice. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2.